0: Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress hello and welcome back to the naked wellness podcast today i have a very exciting guest with me i have jenna carroll jenna is a qualified naturopath who helps people really understand their root causes of the imbalances that they're experiencing with their health And then she really helps them to heal and become that healthiest version of themselves. Jenna has a very unique approach to health where she actually uses the human design system and provides individualized information about one's body. So welcome Jenna, it is amazing to have you here today. Oh, thank you, it's great to be here. Yeah, amazing. Now, did you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your own health journey, if you've been on one, what got you to where you are today in the specific area of health that you're in?
1: Yeah, so I guess, you know, I use naturopathy and nutrition and human design because they are really the modalities that help me heal on my own journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that kind of starts all the way back to my childhood and adolescence because, Back then, I was very much involved in classical ballet. That was actually my first career was to be a ballet dancer. And wow. from a very young age, I was kind of like, you know, told about a very specific body type that I had to acquire, I guess. And yeah. it's in classical ballet is such a narrow uh, framework in what you should look like. And I received a lot of this messaging at such an early Developmental age that it's just seeped in and kind of planted the seeds in me that was like a recipe for you know a very mm-hmm. difficult relationship to food and my body so, image, yes. and so for many years um, during my whole ballet career, I really tussled a lot with um, you know disordered eating and a mm-hmm. really challenging relationship with my body, and it really wasn't until my career ended kind of abruptly because of a major injury that the eating disorder was so like invasive and loud in my life that, um, yeah, I had to get help for it. And I think that was kind of the first step to me kind of awakening, I guess, and realizing that, uh, you know, I really need help. And Mm -hmm. as I kind of went through a couple of years, it took me a long time because I was struggling with this for, you know, almost a my whole teenage, you know, almost a decade. So it was like a lot of work had to be done um, in unraveling a lot of the pain and suffering and conditioning that I had experienced. And during that kind of couple of years of me really in it, you know, going back and mm-hmm. forth, um, going in and out of the sort of eating, which is very common um, when you're kind of recovering. And um, I really was getting this incredibly contrasting experience of me um, feeling when I would connect more with nature and um you know the patterns of nature and whole Foods, I would feel like this huge shift in my consciousness, like in my awareness in my mental health, and then I would go back into old habits and I would fall back down into um you know feeling so encumbered and um depressed mm-hmm. and I just got this really strong contrast, and it kind of got me really fascinated eventually in. Whole foods, nutrition and health, because I could see how impactful it was, you know, my mental outlook more than anything. And that kind of got me into like, okay, I really I'm drawn to, you know, helping people with their health, because far out, if I can get through this myself, then all I want to do is make sure that others don't go through the same thing that I had to go through because I think back then um, there wasn't as much awareness around this type of thing. There was like no information. And I just remember feeling really like passionate about it and wanted to learn everything that I could. But what drew me into naturopathy was that it's such a holistic approach to health and so individualized. And that holistic approach is really what helped serve me on my own healing journey, as I'm sure you can relate. Um, And then I guess human design kind of came into the piece a little bit later, but at the same time, it kind of stemmed out of a big passion I had for astrology from a very young age. I was a bit of an astrology geek because I've always been interested in learning more about myself. I've always been a bit of a seeker in that way. And um, when I found human design, it was one of the most, um, yeah, I just felt really seen. It's something that really helped me put language to, how I've always um felt or kind of um you know I just could never put words to it and and human design allowed me that language and then allowed and explained things to me that i you know it made so much more sense in hindsight why I suffered so much with certain you know mm-hmm. issues so um yeah, now somehow these two things have kind of come together in the work that I do and has informed a lot of the way that I approach um helping others so. Yeah, I guess that's the short story of a long, long journey to get to this point now.
0: Yeah, wow. What a journey that you have been on. I think the fact that you have gone through so much yourself and you have experienced, you know, the highs and the lows and you're so right. That type of journey is so individualized. And I do not believe that there is a one size fits all approach to overcoming disordered eating patterns or even like work within yourself, self-development, mindset, growth, whatever it is that you want to go through, your body is so individualized and so is your lifestyle. And so are your life experiences that have happened that have shaped, you know, the journey that you've been on. Even if we take you and I, for an example, like you have your history with ballet and how that shaped your relationship with yourself and with food. And for me, it was, you know, completely different in the sense of what shaped mine. And I just think that it highlights the importance of actually learning and understanding yourself and not ever looking at somebody else and being like, you know, I, I want what they have, or I want their life, or it's more about, you no, know, you need to focus on you and almost tunnel vision, but it also does show that you can get to the other side. Like you, there is hope and there's light at the end of the tunnel that you can overcome everything. And I just think what you're doing now and helping so many other people get through that is just absolutely incredible I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are sitting on the other side of this episode right now being like what even is human design like what is it how does it work how does it tie into what you do as well
1: yeah definitely probably like what is this strange
0: (laughs) design thing
1: yeah it is It is um, very unique. So human design is essentially the art of understanding yourself. Um, Similar to astrology, because it does draw upon astrology, it's a component of it, um, it is based off your birth details, so your time, date and place. You kind of plug in your details to a system and it generates a chart and that chart is really this um, beautiful gift. It's a blueprint or a manual in how your energy is designed to operate on this planet prior to us receiving the conditioning from our environment so we've all moved through the world and been conditioned through the way we were parented through our friends through school through the media through you know government messaging like so much is thrown at us and we can get kind of like lost in this Mm -hmm. conditioning field we might refer to it as in human design and Our our chart is really kind of like this anchor point into remembering who your authentic self was before all of that stuff came on, um, you know, came in and got layered upon you. And so a big part of human design is kind of the deconditioning process. So stripping back everything that you are not to naturally reveal your authentic self underneath. It's not about trying to be anyone or become anything because you are naturally already there. It's just removing everything that you are not so that then you can grow into a more alignment within your authentic self and when you are being more authentic in the world that's when you experience a lot more flow and ease not only in your life but also in your physical health too because you know when you're trying to be something that you are not whether it's you trying to fit into a specific conditioned um framework around what your body is supposed to look like or um, what you know that person does over there is what our society says is successful when you're trying to do something that isn't aligned it's so difficult right it's like you're drawing a stone all the time trying to conform it it's life shouldn't feel like that as soon as you're feeling like things are getting really sticky and difficult it's a really good indicator that you are not living in alignment with your design and human design helps us put a language to it and I have to say after reading hundreds of charts and utilizing it in my work with health it's like um everyone will always give me this feedback of like oh I always knew that I always knew that about myself and it kind of gives this really big permission slip to that person to go oh it's okay to be who I am and it's also, okay that that person over there is successful in that thing because that's unique to them as well, and it also helps you love other people more too, as as well as yourself, which I really love about it. So yeah, I hope that explains it. It's a it's yeah. you know, um, a bit of a kind of worms like there's so much that you could talk about with it, but um, that's a really good summary.
0: Yeah, for sure, I love that, and I guess it's even stemming back to, you know, the good girl versus bad girl things that can happen in your life when you were told, you know, let's say like you're in school and you were somebody who loves to speak out and like say what's on your mind. And you've been told by teachers or parents to be quiet, don't speak out of line, you know, raise your hand, only speak when spoken to. So you've suppressed that part of you that's like, well, every time I say what's on my mind, I get in trouble, so it doesn't feel great. So I'm just going to learn how to be really quiet. So you're actually suppressing that part of you that that does have that voice and, and does have that opinion and you like that about yourself. So for you, it, working through that and understanding, well, if that you are somebody who is like that, and that's part of your design to not suppress it anymore because you're literally holding back a part of yourself that is meant to be there and meant to be expressed and I think that's so powerful and then even working out what are your values and how can you align your life to that because you were so right like there have been so many times in my life where I have felt so like exhausted and fatigued and unmotivated and just stuck and like I'm in this constant rut that is so hard to get out of and it's because the things that I was doing in my life were not aligned with the type of life that I wanted to be living or they just were not aligned with the values that I had. And when you can actually work out what even are the values and what are the values for you individually, not what you think fit into this box that society has told you that you should, you then actually get to take the necessary actions to live that life that is so much more aligned. And like, hands down, your life just feels so much more enjoyable, so much easier, like your energy is so much better your motivation, like you just, you you show up for yourself and your life because you actually truly want to. And I think that is so powerful because at the end of the day, this is it, right? Like, this is our one shot at life. We don't, we don't get to come back. We don't get to take two of this. So you actually want to be living a life that is aligned to you. Yes. Yes to everything you said. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's so incredibly interesting. And so I guess like when you look at, and like, even if you could give a specific example, maybe as well of how you actually connect to the human design and like someone's health journey. Like if somebody has come to you, let's say with some disordered eating patterns, even like binge eating for an example, how would you then look at their human design and how does that actually like connect into that?
1: Oh gosh I mean there's so many different things like specifically like you can really find out a lot about where we're taking in more of the conditioning based on because in human design they work with the energy centers and there's nine different energy centers and they all have specific energies and I can really see wow okay this person is really taking on the desires of other people it's just this is an open part of them. And so I can really see that that would be a contributing factor, but there's many different um, parts of the chart that I would look at individually um, Mm -hmm. because kind of as you were explaining before that it's like how I see health and symptoms. And when there's a bit of misalignment within the body or psyche, it's usually um, a later manifestation of uh, misalignment of the energy. And that's why I like looking at the human design chart because it really helps me to quickly understand the client. Um, Mm -hmm. So it benefits me a lot as a practitioner because it's like, okay, it doesn't take me five or 10 sessions to really understand what's going on for this person. I can get really straight to it a lot quicker um, and kind of communicate in a way that's going to be relevant to that individual based on their design. Um, So that helps me to tailor their plan moving Mm -hmm. forward because some people don't do so well with really strict routine regime type of stuff and some people respond better to a different approach and that's how it really helps me mainly in tying it together and then helping give people some tools that are really practical that the system provides um, in helping them to trust themselves again, especially if there's been disordered eating because there has to be a rebuilding of trusting yourself because we've lost our self-trust, our trust in food and, you know, all this different Mm -hmm. stuff. So when I can provide some information with human design, it it gives the power back to the client a little bit, particularly between sessions, because I can't always hold someone's hand full time um, between sessions. So um, it's nice to give them some information that they can actually work with and kind of lean into a little bit more so they can start to begin that process of rebuilding their trust in their how to make decisions in their life, for instance, and, um, you know, also highlighting some areas that, you know, maybe they can start to rebuild their life in a way that is going to be more conducive to their particular energy. Cause we all have a particular energy and if we can build our life a little bit more in integrity around that, we're going to find there's a lot more um energy and flow and ease um coming for, for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, it's so easy to think that healing your relationship with food or overcoming disordered eating behaviors is just about food and just about exercise but there is so much more to it you've really got to peel back those layers right and it actually is like well how are you leading your life behind the scenes as well and as humans it's I think it's also very easy for us to put on this mask and you know when we go out into society and around people it's like we put on a mask, we're like, yeah, we're okay. We're all good, we're fine. And then it's behind closed doors where we do actually feel that you know, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-trust, self-worth, all of that sort of stuff. So for you on your journey, when you actually then started working on human design and really looking at it and being like, oh my God, this is really cool. Did you like pinpoint some areas that were like an aha moment for you and what could have helped you on your journey?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, that's something that I'll also experience with clients is they'll say, oh, now I can pinpoint why that didn't work in my life. You know, you reflect on things and you just think, wow, if only I knew this information when I was younger, because I have a particular aura type or energy type that is very different to most of the population. And it means that a lot of the structures that are built in society are not really built for my energy type and particularly the ballet world was really not conducive to my particular energy. And, um, if I knew that the way that my energy operated is different to va- the vast majority, it would have helped me to just, um, accept, you know, my difference and also lean into the gift of what my energy is here to do and potentially navigate that time a lot better. But, um, You know, everything happens for a reason and, um, you know, I'm here for a reason, but definitely some big aha moments and the more that I've, because human design is basically an experiment. So you kind of get, get given these tools and it's up to you to apply them to your life and see how they um, unfold for you and um, so that you can start to believe in the system through your own experiential understanding of it. And as I've experimented with it over the last five to six years, I can just see, um, you know, yeah, all the benefits of it kind of starting to come into fruition through my own health and approach to life. So my whole life has now been designed around from the base up around the way that my energy is designed to operate and work so I can be the most effective in my life, not just for myself, but to be of service to the whole.
0: Mm, I think that's so powerful. And it's even simple things, right? Like for some people, their environment impacts so much. And I know for me, that's definitely one of them. If my environment isn't that inviting, bright, like in a space, I feel mentally like cluttered and like, no, this isn't going to work. And I think you have to learn what is going to work for you. And I know that you just mentioned that there's been a lot of benefits and that sometimes you do touch on like the spiritual version of nutrition. And for you, obviously you've gone down that naturopath route rather than a nutrition or, or dietetics route as well. And so for you, what are the benefits that you do actually see from incorporating, you know, the human design and the spiritual nutrition into your journey and other people's journeys like what are some of those benefits that you see
1: oh well I guess it's kind of maybe explaining a little bit about what that concept is around you know approaching it's it's a different approach Um, it's starting to look at food as more than just numbers and more than just macronutrients and looking at it it's it's the most tangible form of information that we'll interface with in this world when you think about it it's dna that we actually eat it goes inside of us and it absorbs and it um that information gets integrated within our body and so when we are making choices that are much more closer to nature because we are a product of nature we are animals essentially and so when we align more to those principles of nature, um, then you know we we come back into our own alignment within ourselves, and we can actually raise our own vibrational field. I know that's getting a bit esoteric, but it's true. When you're eating stuff that is manufactured and is artificial, and it's it's so highly addictive, it's so it really can lock you up. Those types of foods, like mentally and emotionally, you can really feel the difference if you start to become more aware. Like oh, if I eat, um, you know, these foods, I'm just not going to feel as good in my body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is no inherent good or bad when it comes to food, but it's like what's right for me, what's going to make me feel the most vital and vibrant. Um, And so I much prefer to approach food from this angle that food is so much more than just the numbers, it's nourishment. And I think that that's what kind of spoke to me more so through studying something Mm -hmm. like naturopathic medicine or holistic nutrition where we're looking at it more from a wholesome angle um and I can't even remember what the original question was but (laughs) um, how has it benefited maybe so yeah so um it's basically just a set of being able to reframe things to clients I think it's through the reframing and building more awareness is probably where I see the most benefit for people at at, at its core. So um, getting people to see their food through that lens of like this is a, a opportunity for me to connect. And I'm also just thinking of how we approach food as well it can be such a reflection of our connection to something higher than ourselves. And we have this opportunity multiple times a day to foster that, connection through the way in which we approach food and nutrition and um (laughs) yes so it's it's so powerful for people to understand it from that lens
0: absolutely i think you probably see so many people who have come from a background where they have calorie counted or macro counted or they've been you know down these diets that do cause them to have a really unhealthy relationship with food and do cause them to label foods as good and bad and have a very all or nothing black or white mentality and mindset around food and just how much that can then cause them to you know be so fixated on these foods that don't actually make them feel really good because they are restricted because they have these labels around them and I think what you said about just removing that labels you know there are no foods that are inherently good or bad there's just food but there are foods and there's a way of eating that is going to actually make you feel your best which is great and again like doesn't mean that anything's off limits it's just you then have the control you then have the knowledge and the resources to make the choices that you individually want to make but you're doing that in a much more like educated manner and in a very controlled manner
1: yeah, it's coming from the inside out rather than the outside in, right? Yeah. So I think that's really my philosophy with everything that I do rather than everyone wasting so much energy looking outside of themselves for the answer and realizing that there is no one size fits all. There is no answer. The answer is actually maybe direct, redirecting your energy into understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be the most truthful path for you in terms of your the way that you're going to nourish and nurture yourself because that's going to look very different from person to person and you are your best guru. There is no one outside of yourself that knows better than you <laughs> and the more we can foster that trust in the self again, I think that's going to just strengthen um, our ability to really move out of these, um, yeah, dogmatic and... Uh, yeah, untrustful. You know, we're, we're not we're not trusting ourselves in those moments. So,
0: yeah, I could not agree more. It's it's so important that you you do you look inwards rather than thinking that well, if I go on this magical diet to look like this person who's promoting it my whole life is going to be fixed like all my problems are going to magically disappear it does not work like that you have to look at yourself and your life and your own body and what you actually individually need and what what are your goals in your life and i guarantee you that the next diet that you go on is only going to end up doing more harm than any good whereas if you can use that energy that you're going to put towards that diet and actually use it on something that is going to benefit you as a whole like physically, mentally, emotionally, like just actually understand yourself, you're going to make a change that's going to be with you forever, not just, you know, a short-term fix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for you, I know that you mentioned that you see, you know, a fair few clients around disordered eating behaviors, but what are, what are some of the most common reasons that you see your clients coming to you for?
1: Usually there's this theme of confusion, like yeah. they're just so unclear of how they should be eating or, or fixing their problems, you know, and I do see a lot of, you know, in terms of symptoms, digestive stuff, very common uh, effect of particularly people that have suffered from disordered eating for a long time oh. um, and hormonal and then endocrine stuff, for sure I see a lot of. But mm-hmm. underneath all that is just this confusion and lack of, of clarity around what they should be doing you know and so I I just feel really passionately about helping to lift the veil and allow people to really see through and and get more clarity around what is going to be the most um, efficient effective path for that person based on their history and and everything else forward in terms of coming back into alignment within their physical body because we don't want to be uncomfortable in our body either like that's what's also going to perpetuate a lot of these cycles. And there's, I think there's a lot of importance in, you know, if you have got a disordered eating background, it's really important to seek out practitioners that almost have that sixth sense of knowing um, what that journey is like and what's involved and, and, and can tell where you're at on your own healing journey, because I have seen people and actually in my own experience where A practitioner hasn't um, been fully aware of the depth and the complexities of disordered eating and haven't worded something correctly or been able to create a plan that's uh, you know it might be overly strict and rigid because they're trying to do some kind of gut healing protocol and that might work for people that don't have this type of background but when people have had disordered eating it's even if it's been many years since you've been out of recovery you've been in recovery for it's um, can be still deeply triggering. So I'm really passionate about meeting people where they're at on their journey, but also moving the needle a little bit in terms of their symptoms as well. And um, if they're have yeah, struggling with their skin or their gut, very common stuff that I see. a lot Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important to highlight and you're so right. It is really important. It doesn't matter when your disordered eating behaviors were along your life experience, like they can still show up on and out sometimes as well and you know for all of us that have had that history we can also, we know how intrusive those voices can be sometimes and it is really important that you do take an approach that aligns with where you want to go in a way that's also considering where you have been in the past as well. So I love that that is an area that you do focus on and obviously you guide your clients in that individualized holistic approach to their endpoint, which is so powerful. I would love to know like some of the most common myths that you actually hear especially because your approach is so different which I love and I'm here for but I'm sure you get some like things thrown at you whether it's from like when clients first start or from people on social media but what are some of the most common myths that you hear about your own uh, part or your own specific
1: health oh there's so many it's hard to (laughs) just think of them but it's you know calories in calories out i think Mm -hmm. is a really big myth um the I'm not the biggest fan of intermittent fasting and there's a lot of myths around that I feel and um for women as well. Um I can't even think of anything specifically but more importantly and the kind of com- topic of conversation this whole um podcast has been on is around that it's just the amount of myths that come that concerns me because that means that a lot of people aren't being discerning. It's like does this when you weigh up against you know weigh that up against yourself does that sound like does that feel right how does that feel in your body does that myth of like oh drinking coffee first thing in the morning is going to boost my metabolism like or do you feel really anxious after that coffee Mm -hmm. starting to think of these things in a more of a um through an objective lens and and also through your own experience as well subjectively but um, I think discernment here, um, but yeah, I can't, sorry. I can't think of any, like, there's just so many myths out there. I've heard, I've heard
0: them all, you know, literally, there are so many and I think yeah. you're so right about the intermittent fasting one specifically as well. And I always say, if you can't do something for a lifetime, don't do it for a no. day. Like, That's yeah, yeah. because yeah. you no, know, if you think that this is going to be like an eight weeks, the internet's going to get you something magical that it's not like you literally will go back to exactly what you were doing before, because it doesn't work with you. You're trying to morph yourself to this thing rather than creating habits that actually work for your individual body and your lifestyle that you have. And when it comes to intermittent fasting specifically, the, all of the study that is done on intermittent fasting, well, like I think it's like 90 to 95% of it, it's done on males. Because males Yay. run on a 24-hour clock. You know, us females, we have a 28-day give or take. We have to take that into consideration as well yeah and i
1: was also just thinking of those anything that's like demonizing a food group like i always the red flag goes up for me if someone's like fruit is bad i've heard you know vegetables are really bad and you know these pro-metabolic um frameworks that people are going into more and more so you know i've heard so many different things and like it's from nature it's from source it is something that our body knows and it recognizes eaten like um, I just think that, yeah, when we blanket statement things dogmatically like that, it's a red flag to me <laughs> and it oh, should be a yeah. awful for anyone listening, you know, just get, dis- you know, use discernment, use your own discernment here. If anyone is being very hyper dogmatic about something, whether it's their unique dietary approach or whatever it is, um, like put the red flag up because it's not sustainable potentially. And it's, it's not acknowledging bio-individuality. Yeah. That yeah. to me, is that this is the future of medicine is bioindividuality. And if someone isn't acknowledging that, thinking that their one, you know, view on how everyone should eat is correct, that that's actually that's not the answer. <laughs> Run
0: away. <laughs> yeah, literally 100. percent And you know, another huge red flag to look out for is somebody is promoting a specific way of eating, but you have to supplement with all of their supplements or like, you know, you have to cut out X, Y, and Z, but then you have this like giant list of supplements that you have to input in. It's such a privileged way of eating, right? Because then it's assuming that you actually have the money to eat this way and then also fork out, you know, hundreds of dollars on these supplements when you could probably get all those supplements from the foods that you're actually restricting anyway. And so, right, it has to come back to what is actually working for you, your health, your body, your lifestyle you don't have to cut out major food groups like eating nutrition health it shouldn't be a chore it shouldn't feel like something that makes you exhausted and you're always thinking about 24 7 you shouldn't live your life wanting to always morph your body into something unsustainable like your way of of living and eating and moving your body, it should just be as easy as brushing your teeth twice a day, every day. It should feel really natural. It should feel good. It should just feel easy really. And if it doesn't, if there feels like there's a resistance there or you're burning out all the time, I think it's really time to reassess your approach to the habits that you're trying to create.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think something that I lean, lent into a lot in my own recovery was just this, Remembering that if I just align myself with, you know, foods that are wholesome and, and keep, you know, I, I did a lot of work around somatic healing and stuff like that. But um, remembering that your body will do the math, like your body will fall to where it's supposed to go naturally. And in trusting that you've been given the exact body that you need to do to fulfill everything that you're meant to do in this life. And that, if you have a problem with that, it's like, okay, well, we need to start to rewire those beliefs around why you're still uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in your body where it's falling naturally and kind of questioning where do those beliefs come from? Most likely from some weird external messaging that you've received that's just conditioned standards of beauty and, and going, do I really want to buy into that anymore? No, I don't. (laughs) I personally don't. No,
0: absolutely. Yeah. I like,
1: I think authenticity is really one of the most beautiful things, you know, when someone is just in their naturalness and in their natural state and really like anchored in their self-acceptance and then self-love themselves. I think that's one of the most beautiful things you can see. Yeah, because
0: your body is so much smarter than I think you ever give it credit for. Like it It will tell when you actually heal from Having an unhealthy relationship with food in yourself, and you relearn everything about your body. And even like your hunger and your fullness cues, and really being in tune with those, like your body will tell you when it's hungry, it will tell you when it's full, it will tell you what it needs. Like it has such a unique way of giving you the signs and signals so that you can actually show up and fuel it adequately. And like, yes, if you're going through recovery at the moment, it takes time, like it really does to understand this different science that your body's giving you, but it's not to say that you can't not learn and understand your own body. Because again, everyone's bodies are going to tell them differently, like what they're feeling and how they're feeling. And it's important that you recognize as well that if you wake up in the morning and you hopped in your car to drive it and the fuel tank was empty, you wouldn't expect it to get you from A to B. However, sometimes like we wake up in the morning and you, maybe you're like, oh, I'll skip breakfast today or I'll just sip on coffee or something like that. Like, And yet you still expect your body to actually show up at its optimal level and get you through the day. It's like when you look at that, it's like you're almost showing your car more respect than your body because your body actually mm-hmm. deserves to be fed adequately, to be fueled so it can get you through the day. And your body shows up For you without you even you know telling it to pump blood or anybody to think and use your brain you know to use all of your vital organs like it is doing the work whether you like you know you like it or not it is there it is functioning and you need to actually have that respect a two-way street you have to respect your body and your body will start to respect you back
1: yeah i love that so much and i i sometimes also think of the body as like uh a pet, like your pet, you know, you like, you wouldn't, you know, want to treat your pet that way. You've got to feed it. It's, you know, food and everything it, our body's like a big animal yeah. and that's, I just, yeah, try and think of it in that way
0: as well. Mm. Absolutely. 100%. So if somebody is thinking about starting this journey on really working with their body, not against it, like they want that, that whole shift, right. That physical shift, that mental shift, that emotional shift, where do they even start? Like what are your recommendations for start beginning this journey? Oh, well, the first thing I would say is just start
1: to become curious of what it feels like to be in your body. Um, Start to just get curious of your sensory experience, Um, bringing yourself, it brings yourself into the present moment and starts to get you to assess, oh, how do I feel? Like even Even if you just walk into a room, just check in with your body. How does my body feel right now? Mm, I can feel one of my shoulders is up. oh, I'm feeling myself clenching a little bit. What's going on here? I'm just getting curious about it rather than it being like an analytical thing or in your head. It's just curiosity because curiosity brings with it more of an openness to, um, you know, what you're experiencing. And you might bring that curiosity to what sensations and sensations am I feeling whilst I'm eating food? And then, after you've eaten that meal, how do I feel in my body? You know, how am I feeling? Do I feel like content and satisfied? Or am I feeling uncomfortable and bloated and uh, I've got reflux and like different things going on? And it's just not getting hypercritical or like judging any of it, it's yeah. just becoming simply aware of your somatic experience. And um, the more that you can kind of punctuate your day with these little mini moments of awareness around how you're feeling in your body, um, the more you're going to start to bring just some intention and um, awareness into the present moment around how you're actually feeling rather than being in your head. And, you know, in that kind of planning mode, we're dropping more into our body. I feel like that's probably one of the entry points or first places to start. Um, And then. Another really big thing as well is just how can you connect more with nature, you know, um, getting outside when you wake up, put your bare feet on the ground. How much can you get some skin contact with your natural environment, going for a swim, um, getting in the sunshine and just allowing yourself some space and time just to sit in nature and just observe what's going on around you, you know, watch a tree, a flower, a creature going around. We're so involved in technology now. We get so disconnected from Mm. connection to nature. Um, And then something else that's really simple is maybe just go to the farmer's market instead of shopping under fluorescent lights at Coles or Woolies. Like maybe go and look for your local farmer's market so you can actually engage with food again in that way, I think that that was a really big healing tool for me was to go to the markets and actually touch and feel the foods and see what was in season and think, oh, what recipe am I going to make with this thing and then get really involved in that process of reconnecting back to my food as well through more of that natural way. Um, oh, and then as well, another thing that I think doesn't get talked about en- enough in relation to health and is a good place to kind of start to begin is... Just thinking back to when you were a five or seven-year-old child and just thinking back to what did you do a lot of when you were young, you know? And of, you know, and I'm not referring to there's been a lot of trauma in your childhood, then you know, that's a bit different. But just I'm just trying to get you back to your pure essence of. What did you do a lot of like for me? I just love dancing, it was the thing that really lit me up. You know, for some people, maybe they're making little fairy houses and they're really enjoying nurturing their pets, or maybe they just love dogs so much. You know, and whatever those little things are, how can you bring them into your life a little bit more? Like, bring your passion back into your life. I'm um, so you wouldn't believe how many times I'll get clients that can't even remember what they love doing, you know, it's a question I have on my intake form and I always find it an interesting to, one to look at. And so many people that I see are just like, I can't remember what I, what my hobbies are, what my interests yeah. are.
0: Yeah.
1: Like just start, even if it's something really small, like reading um a fictional book or it's um a certain blend of tea that you really like to drink just these little tiny things add up and start to build a bit of momentum back into the direction of finding a bit of passion in your life again and again human design can really highlight these things if you've become really lost in it but i'll say that no amount of diet and supplement or anything will ever replace that vitality that comes with being in alignment with your passion in this world Mm. um or something more. engaging with something creative in your life because I feel like I almost feel like creativity is we are we are humans, we are it is broad. It's very important that we create in this world. And um yeah, I'm really passionate about those things. So yeah, I would say that those are kind of all the core cool, kind of components that can really help get some momentum into opening up to shifting and and healing
0: ah i love all of that and i think that because you listed so many you know people can pick and choose what really aligned with them and what you just said of where they can actually individually start as well because obviously you know you can just start small little by little a little bit becomes a lot so take one of them implement it and then come back and like do the next one and just witness the changes that you'll actually start to um, see in your life, which I think is amazing. Now, Jenna, I do have some quick fire questions for you. Are you ready for these?
1: Go for it.
0: <laughs> First one is, what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? I have to drink
1: my litre of water, yep. Or morning. And then sit down and meditate for 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. I have to, it's my core pillars. And no matter where I go, if I travel, whatever it is, I always do those two things.
0: I love it. That's amazing. What is one thing everyone can do every day to improve their life?
1: Mm, cultivating your attention. So using something like meditation. Yeah. Um, I know it's kind of boring answer, but maybe for some. But honestly, it's one of the biggest game changers, especially if you're trying to shift out of any difficult habits. Mm-hmm. Um, we really need to forge that neural pathway into coming back into the present moment throughout our day. Otherwise, it's like we have to flex that muscle, like we flex a muscle yeah. at the gym. I think that meditation is kind of flexing that muscle to allow us to respond throughout our day rather than react to everything that comes on our path. And I think if you're really serious about, you know, growing and evolving, I think we need to find a practice that helps cultivate our attention. So For sure. not everyone, you know, there are many different ways we can meditate, so don't completely write off meditation. Mm-hmm. There's many different forms of it um, yeah. from somatic movement type of things could be a good gateway for a lot of people to you know mantra based meditation that helps your mind have a bit of a charm leading you into that and um you know to yeah breath work type of style things so yeah there's lots of ways but I think it's one of the most important things in our time is to cultivate our attention our attention is being stolen from us the whole day and we need something to anchor us it's imperative I believe yeah I love that. What is your favourite quote and why? My favourite quote is probably, well, there's so many, aren't there? Um, But one that I think stands out, especially after this conversation, is one by um, St. Francis Assisi. So uh, it's, um, what is it? First do what is necessary, then do what is possible, and then you'll be doing the impossible. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. So it's just showing you that you just do what is right in front of you right now. And don't we can sometimes just want that thing that's way over there right now rather Mm -hmm. than just approaching life as it is right in front of us. And I feel like that has been my approach particularly since I left my ballet career behind because I really didn't feel that I would ever find anything that would bring me that spark or that purpose again. I just thought, no, there will never be anything that comes close to how much I love ballet and dance. And, look, I just started off really small and incrementally and then have found myself doing things that I never thought was possible for me. And, um, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. So... Yeah,
0: (laughs) I love it. Now, one question that I love to ask all of my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you are looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you'll actually be most proud of? And now this could be something that you've actually already done, or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. I guess what I'm
1: probably most proud of and that I'll continue to be because it's an ever going evolution right Um, of me being able to overcome my own limitations and my pain and suffering and bring myself to a position where I can help others through their own
0: Mm
1: -hmm. levels of limitation and, and freeing them and I think that that's going to continue to grow as I continue to be here on this earth that I just want to help as many people liberate them from their own suffering and shackles of limitation
0: yeah oh, I love it and I I couldn't agree more I think what you're doing is just so powerful and the impact that you're making on so many lives is absolutely incredible did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up if anything exciting and where the listeners can actually find you
1: yeah, I do. I have lots of things coming up, except I'm not ready to talk about them publicly. Um, but if you are interested in 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 me and what I'm doing, you can follow my journey at Health Alchemist on Instagram. My website is healthalchemist.com.au where you can book in if you ever want a session. I do face-to-face consults from Mullumbimbi in Byron Bay at the moment and as well as Kira, Kira Beach on the Gold Coast. So you can reach out if you would like to connect with me one-on-one there and I also offer online consultations as well.
0: Amazing. But, yeah,
1: things are going to be growing. I just, um, yeah, not ready to
0: talk about it yet. (laughs) That's okay. I'll put the links to your social media and your website in the show notes so that everybody has easy access to it. But thank you so much Jenna for coming on to the Naked Bonus podcast and sharing everything that you have shared with us today. Oh it's a pleasure. Thank you. What an amazing episode. I really hope that you found today's episode as interesting as I did. I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's potty app. Just head over to my Instagram, which is kjwellness with three S's. Send me a DM because as always, I absolutely love connecting with you all. But otherwise, I will chat with you in the next episode very soon. Until then, you take care. Bye.